0: The amazing thing about grace. As we prepare to move through this beautiful passage, these five verses in the fifth chapter of Romans, we'd like to pause just for a moment and remind ourselves. Our, our passage last week was also from Romans, the first chapter, this week, the fifth chapter. We need to just sort of remind ourselves where this is coming from, and we have a little quiz for you this morning. So if you would take out your number two pencils and answer the question you believe is correct, with this multiple choice now, who wrote the book of Romans? Could it have been Peter? Was it Paul? Might it have been Mary? Or could it have been Peter, Paul, and Mary? Or could it be none, of the above. Now, who wants to be a millionaire? As we move through, you can call a friend, you can call a friend of a friend, or you can ask someone in the audience, what do you think the answer is today? Is it Peter? Is it Paul? Could it have been Mary, or could it have been Peter, Paul, and Mary, or is it none of the above? Ladies and gentlemen, what is your answer? How many of you think it was Paul? All right. Let's see what the answer is. None of the above. I'm so sorry. You were that close. In fact, we have from the 16th chapter, verse 22, the answer to the question. It was none of the above. In fact, it was a fellow by the name of Tertius. The 22nd verse of chapter 16 says, I, Tertius, the writer of this letter, greet you in the Lord. Now, this is a great Sunday school question. You can ask people in your class now this this question and let them know this fascinating moment that really is breaking all conventions of what's supposed to happen if you are the secretary taking the dictation of Paul. Paul is speaking these words. It is Tertius who is the person worried about syntax and grammar. In fact, he's offering structure to this letter that is quite remarkable. We'll see in a moment there's some very intentional structure just to these five verses that we'll be moving through in just a moment ago. What I love about this is Tertius is somehow motivated to do something that wasn't supposed to happen. What was it? There's something in Tertius that makes him feel connected, whether he's in Corinth or Ephesus where Paul and and Tertius are composing this letter, to this group of people in Rome. Did he know them? Had he had connections to them? We don't know. But it's clear in the way this enthusiasm breaks through in this letter, Tertius feels like they're brothers and sisters because there's something going on in his heart that is connected to something that's been going on in their heart. They are connected in an amazing way through something that is vital, that is still alive and well, here and now in Decatur. One of my favorite rabbis and authors is named Abraham Heschel. Some of you have heard of him or have have, uh, read some of his works. One of my favorite quotes for him is the whole reason we gather together in a sense of faith. Religion is what we do with wonder. You can hear the sense of wonder through Tertius and his enthusiastic embrace of these people across the miles that he may never have met, but he greeted in the Lord with a sense of connectedness and the power of God's love. Religion is what we do with wonder. Gratitude Sunday is the perfect time to stop and be captivated with a sense of wonder. What God has done in our lives, what God is doing in our hearts, in our presence, and in our community. Religion is what we do with wonder there is a sense of wonder that percolates through these five verses. So let's move through those for just a moment and remind ourselves of how they work. So the, the passage goes as follows, and I've got highlighted in our passage five key words that, that uh, Tertius and Paul will be using in our movement through this five, these five verses. Therefore, since we are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have attained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. These five words that are highlighted in these five verses are crucial to really understanding how this passage is shaped. We'll see an example of that in a moment, but we're gonna start sort of just past the middle of the passage and talk about for a moment the flow of hope. The flow of hope. How many of you exercise? Some of you exercise more than others. Some of you are just sort of openly saying, no, I don't do it, I don't exercise. Well, in fact, to get from your car or get here you walked You did some form of exercise, and if you've ever exercised or been aware of this, you notice that something happens. If you exercise consistently, you may have noticed that your muscles, at least when you begin to exercise, your muscles get a little sore. What does exercise do? If you specifically are exercising muscle groups and those muscles are sore, what you have done, you have intentionally made your body suffer. You have forced your body to deal with a sense of exercise and movement that maybe it hasn't done in a while. And the signal that you send to your brain is fascinating. Throughout your neurological system, you begin to send this message we need to take account of this additional suffering that our body is having to endure. Our muscles are being broken down, therefore what should we do, the body is saying to itself. And what does the body do? Makes the muscle mass increase. In other words, by intentionally making your body physically suffer, you are forcing yourself to gain more endurance. If you have ever walked consistently and you start walking a little bit and then you walk a little more and a little more and you begin to realize something good is happening. I'm feeling like I've got a little more endurance. Your brain has helped train your muscles. This happens in the choir also, by the way. The more you sing, are muscles in your throat, they're called vocal cords. And our choir clearly has been exercising because they're so good all the time. That's a little shout out to Catherine in the choir. So I'm trying to make up to Ron still. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. Uh, uh, doctors who are voice specialists will say, The more you can exercise your voice, the stronger your voice will be, which is sort of counterintuitive. You think, oh, no, I need to to take it easy and rest my body. No, in fact, it's the opposite. The more you work, the harder you train, the more endurance you build. Now, if this is true physically, it also is true spiritually, Emotionally and mentally. What the Bible is sharing with us in this fifth chapter is this fascinating flow of hope where suffering, emotional, mental, even spiritual, generates endurance if we allow it. It can break us down. There are plenty of times in life where we have the temptation, we have the choice to just say, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. That's it. It could happen in relationships. It can happen in church life. It can happen in work settings. It can happen with with friendships at school. It can happen all around our lives. We feel like we're suffering and we want to give up. And what the Bible says is, if you can hang in there, if you can keep building that extra muscle mass, it creates emotional, mental, spiritual endurance. Now, it's important to recognize this theological insight. Some people will say, I just, I don't know what God is trying to teach me. I am so sick and tired of God's plan for my life because I just feel like I'm being tortured. And it's important to take seriously seriously the theology of what the Bible is helping us understand. I I like this distinction between plan and purpose. God's plan for my life, there's all this suffering, as opposed to God's purpose for our life. It may not be so much God has planned for us to suffer as much as this is just part of the human condition. It just happens. But God has a purpose for our life. It may not be that every moment, everything is planned. But God definitely has a purpose for you and me. And the purpose for all of us is to build deeper spiritual lives, to build broader and deeper community to do more with our faith and our hope and our love in the community that we're a part of. It may not be a part of the plan that we suffer. It's definitely a part of God's broader purpose that we use that suffering to build our endurance. And endurance then creates this fascinating word, character. A friend of mine years ago was named James Wynn. He played football for Carson Newman College. It was back when Carson Newman would win the small college uh, football championships almost every year. And James was an offensive tackle. And he would talk about the fact that one of the reasons Carson Newman in those days was so successful in small college football was that they trained harder than anybody. They built their endurance. They were in better shape than all the other teams they played so that their offensive linemen, defensive linemen, everybody was in tip-top shape. They had great endurance. But James said still, even with all that training, that along about the middle of the fourth quarter, he would be at the end of his robe. He would be exhausted. And he said he would find himself just sort of bent over, barely able to function, yet knowing he still had to play his role on the team. James was a strong Christian, and what he began to do was on the top of his cleats, they had white cleats in those days with a tongue that flipped over the, the laces, and on the top of both shoes, he painted a cross so that when he was bending over and was thinking, I can't go on, there was the sign of the cross. And for him, in those football games, in those moments when, when he just wanted to give up and, and forget about playing, he was reminded there's something bigger here, something more important that I'm about. It's not just this game that matters. It's life that God has given me a remarkable gift, the power Of God's love. This flow of hope, this fascinating trajectory of going from suffering to endurance to character is built on, based on the power of God's love poured into us, into our hearts. So it's this this incredible trajectory now through hope to love. Now you would think the way this passage unfolds now that love is actually the climax of these five verses the power of god's love is the end all and be all if you read 1 corinthians chapter 13 when paul is speaking to and perhaps tertius was also his secretary for first and second corinthians in the letter to the church in corinth paul in his 13th chapter really does make love the focus and the wording is if you don't have love if you don't recognize what God has done in your heart and in your life, you are nothing and you have nothing and life is worthless. But if you have love, you have everything. So in 1 Corinthians 13, love is definitely the centerpiece of that passage. But in the fifth chapter, interestingly, this is not necessarily the case. The trajectory, the flow of hope moves into and is supported by the power of God's love. But in fact, this passage is shaped in a fascinating way. And there are scholars who think that it may have been Tertius, the writer of this passage, that helped Paul in using this rhetorical device that gets us to the centrality of grace. It turns out the centerpiece of this passage is actually the focal point of the lesson. It was true in parables. When we go through some of Jesus' longer and more complicated parables, like the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the Good Samaritan, these are also shaped in a similar way. And the shape actually has a name. It's called a chiasmus, And this is what a chiasmus looks like. It's a sideways triangle. And in our passage, we had five key words as we moved through. Faith, peace, grace, hope, and love. But notice the way the passage is shaped. We were at the power of God's love. It was based on the importance of hope that was given through endurance and character. But in fact, what seems to be going on in this chiasmus, or if you want to impress your Sunday school class, say to them, you know, this passage makes me think there's some kind of chiasmic structure that may be a part of it. And your teacher will say, my, look at the time. I think it's about <laughs> about time for lunch. Uh, What's going on in this passage seems to be, and and scholars say probably Tertius is the rhetorician, the guy that's in charge of the grammar and the syntax, who is helping to shape this argument. If you listen carefully to the way the scripture was read, it says in the middle, the very middle of the passage, it says, and God's grace on which we stand. In this passage, It's not love that forms the foundation, but it's actually God's grace. That's the foundation of all this other. We have faith in God's love. We have peace through God's hope, but it is grace that changes everything. The grace on which we stand, you heard me say a couple of weeks ago in reference to my grandfather who would sit at the head of the table and before we would have a meal like we're about to have for our Thanksgiving meal, my grandfather would say, let's say grace. Instead of saying, let's share the blessing, let's say grace. And in a way, it may very well what Paul is conveying through perhaps the help of Tertius, his secretary. Let's just say grace. Because there's really not vocabulary to talk about all that we have to be grateful for. The sense of wonder that we can look at this passage and recognize the larger picture of our lives that is truly indescribable when we attempt to take an inventory of all that we have received from others. The mentors, the kind and gentle and patient teachers, or maybe not so kind and gentle, but at least the people that helped us move to where we are today, the people even now that are still working with us, loving us, shaping us, helping us to have a better perspective on who we are and whose we are. It's all a part of this grace on which we stand that we cannot describe, that our faith and our love And our hope and our peace all directs us toward. And that's the amazing thing about grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.